Hi, I'm Josh Shearer and I serve as the lead pastor here at Gawley Uniting Church. I wanted to personally thank you for joining us today. We exist as a church to see lives transformed with the good news of Jesus. Now, I hope this service inspires you. I hope it blesses you. I hope it builds your faith and I hope it gives you perspective that God is moving in your life. If there is anything that we can do to help you, don't be afraid to reach out on social media or email our office. Thanks for joining us again and let's get to the service. It is wonderful to be able to bring you the Word today. And um, you might be wondering, as I said you know, earlier on when I was up here, you might be wondering what on earth this is about. You've, you've probably noticed on the sign, it's actually been out on our church sign for a year now and has gathered a little bit of interest, to be honest, because it's not the typical thing that you would uh, see on a sign. And when you see people walking around with a t-shirt like this one, it's garnered a bit of interest. Some of my neighbours have asked me what it's about. I've, um, they've wondered, is it an acronym for something? You know, because we live in a world where acronyms are a thing, and, and um, no, quite simply it isn't. It isn't an acronym. It's a simple declaration of truth, and that's what I want to talk with you about today, about a way that we as a church can gather and can become a movement that is realized by a single reality, by the community around us. A single truth that cuts through everything that the church might have been known for, for the last, well, at least sort of 40, 50, 60, 70 years, maybe even longer than anyone here has been a part of the church. This has become, we're hoping, we feel called to shape a distinctly different narrative for our community about why we are here. And that's what I want to talk with you about today. And when I talked about this last year, I talked about vision. And I talked about why vision matters. And if you remember that message, I talked about a, a leadership speaker by the name of Simon Sinek. He wrote a book about starting with the why. And the whole premise of the book is that why matters because why determines the how and the what. The why becomes the galvanizing force behind whatever it is we might choose to do. Why is the picture of a preferred future, a vision and a purpose? And we as a church, we have a why, don't we? We have a purpose for why we exist. That one. We exist to see Gaula transform with the good news of Jesus. That's why we are here. That's why we feel God has called us here in this season. And whilst our vision as a church might have looked different in different seasons, we feel that God breathes new vision, new inspiration, and new excitement into the life of our church in different seasons. And, and that's what we feel in this season our calling as a local church is to look like. And that transformation is based on the word in Scripture called metamorpho. It's not a type of kung fu or anything like that. Metamorpho quite simply means metamorphosis, transformation. The image we get within creation is the butterfly, where the caterpillar goes into a chrysalis, and it's there for a couple of weeks, normally, 
And then it, it comes out transformed into something that it wasn't before, something truly beautiful, something truly wonderful, and something that only became possible from that moment of transformation. And we believe that our journey with Jesus is exactly like that, that we become transformed when we meet Jesus from death to life, from a life defined by our own agendas to a life defined by what God would have it look like for us. There's that transformation. There's also a transformation that happens within us as followers of Jesus, that when we live a life centered around Scripture, centered around worshiping God, centered around putting Him first in our life, something within us changes. We talked about this in our life group on Thursday night. Something within us changes over time. And we believe that that transformation helps us to look a little bit more like Jesus every single day. The Apostle Paul writes about it in Romans chapter 12 in the New Testament, where he says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but instead be transformed, there's our word, by the renewing of our mind. Why? Well, the transformation isn't just for our sake. He continues, he says, be transformed so that you may understand and discern the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. That our transformation as followers of Jesus isn't just about us, although that's pretty good and I'll take it. <laughs> it's about the way we, are, we will understand and live out God's purposes in the world. Because after all, our faith is not, can't just finish and can't just end with us. It needs to go beyond us. The church exists not for itself, but for a world that desperately needs hope, life, and love. And in many ways, that's what this is about. Because whilst we acknowledge that there's a transformation that happens for us as followers of Jesus, and for those that don't know Jesus and discover Jesus for themselves, we also believe that the gospel brings a transformation into a town into an area, into a district, and that the church's presence exists for the betterment of the town to which we are called. In Jeremiah, the, the prophet writes, receives a word from God and writes to the followers, the, in, in the Israelite people, as they are taken into Babylon, a place that wasn't ultimately their home. And he talks about God's hope for them in that place. He says, even though that you might not think that's home in some ways, and we as followers of Jesus, we know we have an eternal home at some point, but we're here right now, and this is our home. And God says to the, to, says to the Jewish people in, in exile in Babylon, He says, thrive there, live there, prosper there, do your best, have children, plant crops, get yourself settled there, and your prosperity, your efforts... Your energy will bring about the prosperity of the nation you find yourself in. And that is a good thing. And we believe that that is true of the church now. That we are called to invest in. To live deeply a part of, entrenched in and interconnected with the community that we have been called to. And whether you're here for a little while and moving somewhere else in, in time, whether you're desperately waiting for Jesus to come because life is hard here, 
Whether you've called this place home for years and you know the place like the back of your hand. We are called as followers of Jesus to be a part of the community and to be for the community that we are a part of. And that's really what what I'm talking about this morning. How do we as a local church be recognized and understood as part of and for the community that we are called to serve? Because as I said, the church is not about us. The church is actually about the community around us. It's always been that way. The New Testament church was known for its generosity to those that didn't even, didn't necessarily believe in Jesus. They didn't believe in God. But the New Testament church believed that God was for, those, for the people around them, whether they were for God or not. And we believe that's what we are called to live out. And this is all grounded fundamentally in a discussion that the New Testament church had in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 20. And if you're not familiar with the context, Acts chapter 20 comes after the early church has moved in and around the Mediterranean area, in in and around the Mediterranean rim. And there's complications because you've got people in the church that are Jews, they, they adhere to the Old Testament law, and you've got people in the church that are Gentiles or Greeks who have no idea and don't really give a rip about the Old Testament law because they've heard about this guy called Jesus, and that sounds like a pretty good deal. Grace through faith plus nothing, I'll take that. And the Jews are going, well, hang on a second, what about the law? And discussion comes up. And, and there's, a, there's a debate that happens in the Jerusalem Council in Acts chapter 20. I want to read us just a, a little portion of it. You've got all the, all the big players in the New Testament church. There, all, the, all of the apostles that are still alive at this point are present. You've got Paul and Barnabas. I think I'm pretty sure Peter's there. James, the brother of Jesus, the head of the Jerusalem church, is there. And the whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. Well, hang on a sec. We thought that the Jews up until this point thought they were the chosen ones. They thought they were the ones to inherit Jesus and the Messiah. That was all about them. But suddenly they discover that God is doing something among the people that aren't like them. And when they finished saying these things, James spoke up. Brothers, James, the brother of Jesus. Brothers, as it would have all been men at this time. Sorry to say. Listen to me. Simon, as in Peter, has described to us how God first intervened to choose a people for his name from among the Gentiles. We're in, we're in, sorry, we're in Acts chapter 15. Did I say chapter 20? My apologies. Chapter 15. No wonder Mark can't find it, maybe. I don't know. But that's all right. We've learned how the, the God has chosen a people for His name from among the Gentiles. This is just after the Gentiles had experienced like a Pentecost-type outpouring when, when Peter was there. For he says, the words of the prophets are in agreement with this. This isn't new information. We just didn't realize it was here. After this, he quotes from the Scriptures, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent, 
Its ruins I will rebuild, and I will restore it, that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord. Who does these things? Things known from long ago. And so thinking about all of this, thinking about the tension within the church, thinking about how it is that they're going to navigate life together, those that are under, believe they're under the law still, the Old Testament, and those that believe that they're new and set free by Jesus and faith alone. James says this, he says, It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. For those that are not a part of our community, we should not make it difficult for those who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to do three things. We should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, don't be cheating on your spouses, and from the meat of strangled animals and from blood. For the law of Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. So it's still important, but let's get back to the basics. And James is basically saying, what's required? What's required? Well, it's by grace through faith, but be respectful, is what he's saying. He says, for the Gentiles that are, that are present, that don't really care that much about the Old Testament stuff, he says, but when you're gathering together, your faith is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone, absolutely. But be respectful of one another in community. But I want to wind back to that verse 19, and it says, it is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles or for anyone, we could expand it to anyone who is seeking to turn towards God. And friends, I believe that across the life of our culture, the church has become known for a great many things. And most of them we are not particularly proud of. Many of them you are not responsible for, I'm not responsible for, and that's okay. That's good, even. But some of them we are. And we've got to be honest about that. But over, as culture has developed, as the church narrative has changed, as media has become super keen on promoting things that are negative rather than stories that are positive, as it, would, as it would seem is for those that do not know anything about the church, when they hear about it, what do they hear? They hear about Im pastors embezzling money. Sadly, it's mostly pastors, because this is the good news story. Pastors being unfaithful to their spouses, pastors getting involved in sexual allegations, whether guilty or not, it doesn't seem to matter. And every time a narrative comes up about that, bang, the church reputation takes a hit. And every time the church stands up and says, we believe this, what is it? It's something against someone else. We believe we're, we're against, and this is parts of the church, but People that aren't in the church don't give a rip of difference, whether we're Catholic or Anglican or Uniting Church, they don't even know what those things mean. 
We are the church in the same way that I'm a pastor or a minister or a reverend, but I'm also a priest and a padre to anyone who doesn't know the difference. And so every time someone stands up and says, I believe in God and I believe this, we get painted with the same brush. And sadly, folks, for too long the church has been known for what it is against in our culture. But we want to be known for what we are for. For too long, the church has been known for what it is against, but we want to be known for what we are for. Why? Because I believe that the bar is high enough for people seeking to explore faith, seeking to come to faith. The bar is high enough. Have you noticed what it is? Step away from your old life and choose another Lord and Savior other than yourself. That's a pretty high bar when you think about it. The cost is massive. But Jesus didn't shy away from the cost because He believed it was worth it and we believe it's worth it because we've chosen it. Those of you that are followers of Jesus, you've chosen that for yourself, I would hope. And so that's what we believe and that's what we proclaim. And so the bar is high enough. Even if we don't have to pay the cost, Jesus paid that. And so our job as the church is to not make it difficult for anyone that is seeking to explore faith. And I believe for too long the church has made it difficult by only ever choosing to stand up and declare what it is against rather than what it is for. And so we as a church have chosen a different way. And that's what all of this is about that we have chosen as a church that we want to be known for what we are for in our community rather than what we are against. It doesn't mean we don't believe some stuff. It doesn't mean we don't have some clear doctrines of what we believe and what we don't believe. Those things are there. But when it comes to the way that we want to be known in our community, we we want the community around us to know that we are here We want them to be glad that we are here. And we want them to miss us if we were to ever have to close our doors. I believe that is the witness that we are called to have to the community around us. I believe that's what it means to not make it difficult for anyone that is seeking to explore faith. What if the church was known for being for the community around us? Because I don't know about you, but when I think about the rhythm and truth of our church life, all the different things that I think about, the the church doesn't really want anything from you. The church wants something for you. We want you to experience the life of fullness in His name. And everything that we do is about seeing that come to pass for you and for those of you, or for those that are not yet a part of our community. And so that is already a truth that is a part of us. So this is not new information. But the whole idea of this series, this campaign, I suppose you could call it, is that we would recapture the narrative of the local church here in Gaula to be that we are for the community around us, not against it. That we are for their life, their fruitfulness. 
that we are for them experiencing the hope of Jesus, that we are for the local businesses flourishing and thriving for no other reason than that we want to love them. We want them to experience all that is possible for them. And we do believe and we hope that one day, by God's grace alone, because only God can do this, that they would stop and think and wonder, why is it that that church is so passionate about everyone else doing well? Why is the church so for our community? It seems to be everywhere. What is that about? And it's in those moments that they might ask a question and say, why do you care so much? And it's in that moment we'll say, well, we love. Why? Because God first loved us. It's as simple as that. And so that's what For Gawler is about. So over the next three weeks, I'm going to preach a little bit more into this and some different ways, some different strategies that this is going to look, some practical stuff that we're going to do together. All with the purpose of helping our community understand that the local church is for them, that we are for the township that we have been called to serve. And I've got one first practical step for you. And I'm nervous about asking you because it's significant. I was reading a passage in 1 Timothy. And the Apostle Paul was writing to a new young, young pastor in the early church. I think Timothy was in Ephesus at the time. And he wrote this. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor put their hope in the wealth that they have, which is so uncertain, by the way, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything that we have for our enjoyment. So the stuff we have is not bad, but he says, don't put your hope there. Command them, therefore, to do good and to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and to be willing to share. And in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. Why? So that they may take hold of the life. That is truly life. That's the promise for now. When we see the riches that we have for what they really are, which is a gift, they're not ours, they're a gift for us to steward. When we take that seriously, we take hold of the life that is truly life. So what am I asking of you this morning? Well, We have a core value as a church, and it's called radical generosity. And I know some of you are thinking, oh, great, so the church is here and they're going to ask for money again. 
And that's okay, you can think that. But I believe that there are going to be, there's three parts of this series, this campaign that we are doing to be for the town. Three parts. It's going to, we're going to give, we're going to serve, and we're going to love. And today I'm talking and I'm inviting you and calling you to consider what it looks like to give intentionally to the town around us. Over the last little while, we've been building some relationships, some partnerships in our town with some, some non-profits and some people that are doing great work already in our town or that either are Christian or have Christian values. And we as a church want to see them thrive. And so what I am proposing, it's bold, don't hate me, but here we go. What I am proposing is that each of us would give $25 towards a fund here at the church, and we will give that money away to those organizations, no questions asked. No questions asked. A move of radical generosity. Radical generosity. Why? Because we believe in the things that are happening in our town beyond just church services. There's lots of people bringing the kingdom in different ways. And we want to get behind them in a radical way and say, you know what? We love what you're doing. Keep it up. Here's something to help you make a difference. And we don't want anything but the best for you. What a radical testimony that would be to an organization for us to rock up and say, here's some, here's some money to see that thing that you were hoping to be achieved realized. And they go, thank, what, what else can you say but thank you? What a radically generous testimony that could be. And so what I'm asking for is we're not actually looking for a monetary, we don't have a monetary goal. I've got a participation goal. We're not aiming to raise a certain amount of money. What I'm aiming for is that every single member of our church would participate. And as families with young kids, you can figure out, you can talk with God about that. As if you want to take $25 from your children's pocket money, explain to them what it's about and, and give it to the life of the church. And I promise you, that every single dollar and every single fee that is caused by the money that we receive, the church will foot that bill and we will give every single dollar away. Why? Because we are for Gawler and we are for the community that we have been called to serve. And so, I want to tell you the partnerships that we're partnering with this year. By the way, this is a movement this, we, as you may know, we're part of a, a church network called the Irresistible Churches Network. It spans across the globe. And this movement has been going for 14, 14 years. And across the globe, churches are doing a campaign just like this one over, no, over October and November. And over the last 14 years, the church has raised $71.5 million and given it every cent of it away. That is worth celebrating, and I believe that is something that we are called to be a part of.
in this season. So the challenge is there. I could talk and try and explain it to you and hope that I can soften it for you, but that's where it is. That's where it's at. This is what I believe that we are called to do. And when you think about it, $25 might seem a lot to you, and maybe it is. But $25 is foregoing coffees on the way to work. A packet of cigarettes costs more. There you go. It might be foregoing dinner out this week or this month to give that which you would have spent elsewhere. It might be one less box of alcohol. It might be one less streaming subscription for a couple of months. I don't know what that looks like for you. But I invite you to participate in this. And so there's two way, or there's three ways that we're going to make this possible. One is that I invite you to give into the offering. If you prefer to give by cash, then I invite you to give into the offering. Put it in an envelope, write four gola on it, and then put it straight in. If you've got that money today, I'd love you to do it today. But if you don't, bring it back next week. I'd love you to participate. Alternatively, you can give online. If you go to our website, gaulauniting.org.au, there is a tab that says For Gaula. And in there is a link. And you can pay online with your credit card. It's one single transaction. And there is a fee attached to that, and the church will pay that fee so that every dollar you give goes to our partners. Or alternatively, we have a credit card facility here. And you can give to these missions personally. Again, there is a fee, and again, we will pay it. Why? Because we believe this matters so much. And so you can choose how, to, how you participate. You can choose if you participate. But I'm believing that God is calling us to be for the community that we are part of. And a way to do that that cuts through everything else that anyone could say about us. The only thing that cuts through the narratives of cynicism and the church is in it for themselves and blah, blah, the only thing that cuts through all of that is radical generosity. So that's what we're going to do. And I'm believing that it will make a big, big, big difference. And I'm believing that we will see kingdom fruit from it for our church, but for the churches in Gaula that will see people come to know Jesus for the first time. So that's the invitation. That's the why. And that's the opportunity placed before you. So I'd love to see you in the foyer afterwards. I can help you work through how to pay on card if you want to do that today. But don't leave with this unsettled. It's important. It matters more than we will ever know. And we might think, man, I think I might need that $25. But have a think, what if, imagine what, that, what these organizations, organizations could do with your $25. It's worth considering and worth investing in. So I know, as I close, I wanted to share with you just the, the, um, the organizations that we're partnering with this year. I said I would. So we're partnering with... Um, the Willow Men's Shed, the Men's Shed up in Williston that works really hard in helping men connect with one another to foster and work against community loneliness. 
and they're a non-profit organization. They're not a Christian organization. We believe in what they're doing in seeing our town flourish for men, and so we're going to support them. We're going to support two local schools, Gawla East Primary School and Gawla Primary School, and the work of the chaplaincy programs there. So we're going to support them. We're going to ask them, how can we help you? What, what do you need? And we're going to make the, some resources available for them. One, two, three. I've lost the fourth one. I'm embarrassed. But it's important. And so I'll, I'll let you know what it is in a minute when I get back up to do the benediction. How does that sound? I'm embarrassed by that. But I'm believing that we can ra- make a radical difference in the lives of these organizations. I'd love you to be involved and to see God's kingdom come through our generosity. So can I pray with you? Loving God, we thank you for the calling that you have upon our life to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and to be willing to share. And Lord, whether we consider that we have heaps or barely enough, but we know that you are generous and you call us to be generous. And that when we give, we never lack a wondrous mystery within your economy in the world. So Lord, help us to have and what we have, hold with, to hold it with open hands rather than closed hands. To hold it in such a way that you can give and receive and take from it as you see fit in ways such as this, that we might ultimately see your kingdom come and your will be done in Gaula as it is in heaven, and that through our generosity, that we could change the narrative of your church to this town, for people to realize that we are for We thank you for this time. Lord, would you give us the grace to receive this truth, even if we don't want to hear it, and the courage to not leave this unresolved, but to live it out today. In your name we pray. Amen.